Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. What a beautiful day. Good to see you guys. So let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for, for just being here. Thank you for your love and your peace and your goodness. Thank you for this day that we get to celebrate you and who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I got to, um, it's amazing how much faster I get to church in, in the Mustang with Linda driving <laughs> than when I'm in my truck. It's like the Priuses are just like blurs. Just, you know, like, I'm like, how the meet her that quick? <laughs> So, but I had prayed out this morning and ready to go. So anyway, how can you not be excited for Easter, right? Because this is what it's all about. And so um, as I was reading, I'm going to read the Easter story. And I'm going to do it. I'm um, going to start in Isaiah. So you're like, thank God we're not in Romans. <laughs> Been in like Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4 for like three months. So um, I'm going to read real quick in Isaiah. Then I'm going to switch over to Ecclesiastes. Then I'm going to go over into the Psalms. But in Isaiah, it says this. Well, God's talking about promises. And so much of the time we see Easter and we forget that Easter is about promises. Right? It's about hope. It's about blessings. It's about God's goodness. And so here I see, see the promises of God. And he, in Isaiah 44, he says this, but now listen, O Jacob, my servant, servant Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says, Yahweh, I am that I am, right? The, this is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, which means upright one, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and, and my blessings on your descendants, and they will spring up like grass in, the, in a meadow, like popular, poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. You're like, what are you talking about, Pastor James? This is what, um, and I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about real quick. Hold on, let me get to it. This is what the Lord says. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Israel's king and redeemer. Listen to this. When is this? This is Isaiah, right? This isn't like the gospels. I mean, it is the gospel, but it's not what we would traditionally consider the New Testament and the gospels, right? He's saying, and this is Israel's king. And he says, this is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. What did, what did Jesus say? I'm the alpha and the omega. To the Jewish people who are saying, I'm the lay and I'm the tov. And in Hebrew, that alay is like the sacrificial ox. Uh, and, uh, and then the toes of finished work, the cross. And so he's like, I will be the sacrifice and the finished work. I'm there in the beginning and I am the end. And I'm there with you and I'm there to bless you. And I love that because he's saying that all the way into Isaiah. And then he says this, who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established 
my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what will come. What is that? You think you know everything? Like sometimes I used to think I know everything. I just, I keep telling Linda it's taking her forever to figure out I'm right all the time. <laughs> I don't know, 24 years. I mean, you think she'd get it by now, right? So pray for her, you know. <laughs> I have to pray for me after this day, right? Right? But he's saying, hey, you think you know everything? You think you got it all figured out? He's like, I want to tell you something. I told you from the very beginning everything that's going to happen. In fact, while you were in your mother's womb, I knit you together. And from the inside out, it says in Isaiah, he said, I knit you together in your mother's womb and created your inmost parts. He's like, I am there for you and I love you and I'm for you. And I know the beginning of the end. I know how your life is. I know how you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I am here. I am with you. It's Emmanuel, right? That's when the angel appears and says, and to you a child will be born, his name will be Emmanuel. Not just something so it sound cool on the front of a Baptist church sign, right? It means I'm with you, God with us. But it comes even better because it's God in us. But he says, do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? So we're celebrating it like it just like one day and like, like I used to think when I was a kid, I'd go, oh, it's Easter. We get to hunt eggs and my mom and dad, my dad's a pastor. So we'd always have to um, get these suits and my sisters get dresses and we'd put, they put these funny hats on and, and we'd go to church and I was like, oh, what a great holiday. And it just happened all of a sudden when Jesus died. Like that was the first time they ever heard about it. What it was, was Easter and it's not so. Because because God had foretold this. It wasn't by coincidence and it wasn't by accident, but it was ordained by God himself. And that's pretty powerful. And that's what he's saying. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. And then I want to go to Ecclesiastes. And you're like, Pastor Dan, this is the weirdest Easter message ever. No, I told God, but we're going for it, right? <clears throat> Ecclesiastics. The, the end of Ecclesiastics in chapter 2, 24 says this, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This to me, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can who can or for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To a man who pleases God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. And he says this, but to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless and chasing after the wind. I think I read this in Solomon, and I think he needed a lot of Prozac or counseling or something, because this dude was really, really down, and, and we read about this a lot, like this next verse, I, last time I read it was at a funeral, right, and so um, it says this, it says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, 
and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does a worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Pastor James, what are you reading about work? This is this is Easter. Well, that tells me all I need to know about work. Because before Jesus, that's how we viewed it. If I can do good enough, if I can keep the sacrifices, if I can keep the law, if I can do this, if I can do that, if I can work, guess what? I'll be saved. But it wasn't dependent on, on, on God. It was dependent on, can I get this sacrifice to, to Israel? Can I get this sacrifice to the temple? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? And it wasn't about it wasn't about what he did. It was about what we were doing. You hear what I'm saying? And so now that the, the sacrifice was good, thank God for the sacrifices because it covered sin. But on resurrection day and on Passover, there was a lamb that died. And he died once and for all for our sins so that we could live and live totally and completely in him. That's really good news, right? And so here I was, um, and I was just thinking, anybody ever go through some stuff in their life sometimes? <laughs> sometimes it just like, like I get, I had all these horses and then, then, then I, I had to sell a bunch of them and, and, and then I went through a lot in that, that past year. And, and then sometimes you just hang on and you don't want to let go. My only one's ever done that. Like I was telling, I think I was telling a story like when I first moved up here, my grandpa always said, don't let go of ropes, right? So we went to the to the um, skiing, right? On this water tube out Lake Washington. And I hadn't been married very long to Linda and I was trying to impress her. So we get out here and they take off and you know what happens? I come off, right? Come off this water tube and I got the rope. And as I'm going, I'm like, like drowning. And they're like, James, let go of the rope. And I'm like, I ain't going to let go of the rope. I'm a cowboy, right? And I made him stop the boat because I didn't want to let go. Am I the only one that's ever been like that? And then I remember a time, too, when I was doing the cult starting challenges. You know, it's funny, though, when I got to the boat, I'm like, I'm okay. Like, you ever crash? I'm okay. I'm good. I got this. I'm okay. So I get into the cult starting challenge and I'm working this cult and I, I go to get up on this cult and this cult was right, was right, man. And so I turn her, turn her head around and I start to crawl up and I slipped and I fell. And as I fell, that horse was kind of kicking at me and I fell backwards, hit the ground and then I bounced up. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. I got this. No worries. 
I got back to the hotel room and my, my traveling partner looks at me and goes, boy, that was awesome. I was like, what was awesome about that? He goes, you, that horse kicked you plum out of the pocket. And I was like, actually, I fell, right? But, but I'm okay. And I think all year long we go around thinking, you know something? I'm okay. You know, this has happened to me, but I'm okay. This is going wrong in my life, but I'm okay. It's like, God, you know, I know that you died for me and that you gave your son for me, but you know something? I'm okay. And as I was sitting there, I sat there at my desk and God told me, he goes, you're not okay. Like, oh man, I'm not okay. But it's okay. Whoa. You know what? There's some stuff, man. Have some stuff that's hitting you right between the eyes and you don't feel okay. And sometimes you just need to lay down and cry. Maybe you need to just lay down and go through some stuff. And then it brought me back to the cross. And I, as I pictured the cross, as I was sitting there, I always like to look at the cross and I'd always look at the cross as if I'm there. Because like in, in uh, Passover, we call it, we remember, remember is a course, like as if you're already there. Right. So I always like to remember, like, I, I just pretend I'm there. And so I just like close my eyes and I just see the whole scene. And as I, I seen the whole scene, I looked around, I seen Jesus on the cross and and the and the two thieves on each side. And as I seen those those on each side, I was looking up there and as Jesus looked down on me, he goes, you're in the wrong spot. Right? It's like, what do you mean? Like, you're supposed to be up here with me. man that's not what it's about right that's not how i want to look at the cross i was like okay so i hopped up there and it was like when i did i was just like annie and i was looking out and as i was looking out i realized you know something i'm not touching earth and i'm not touching heaven it's like i'm suspended between both and i could see it but i didn't feel no pain it was the weirdest thing I'd ever, ever experienced in my life. Like I could feel no pain, but I knew he felt the pain. I thought, man, you know what? This has got to really stink for him because they're making fun of him and they're mocking him. And, and even the dudes on the cross on each side of him are making fun of him. And here's Jesus dying for us. And I never felt anything but love pouring out of him. And at that moment, I realized, you know what? When he died on that cross, he didn't die for himself. He didn't die because it's just the thing to do. He died for you and for me. Amen. The Bible says that he took all our sin, all our punishment. He took it all. And I was thinking, man, if they were doing that to me, I'd already be mad. Like someone cuts me off in the road, I'm mad. Let alone, look what they are spitting on him. Hanging him to a cross. This is what Psalms 22 says about it. And it's really a prophecy of what, what happened to him when he's on the cross. And, and it says this. Anybody remember where, where he says in, in, uh, in the New Testament, he says, says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from 
the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. If you are far fathers put their trust, they trusted and delivered them. They cried in you and to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. Can you imagine that? Do you know when this was? This was Psalms. This is David talking about it. And he's really what he's doing is he's prophesying and saying, that's how I really believe that Jesus was on the cross, man. Look, I come to save you. I'm here. God with you. I'm here. That's how I always thought about it, man. And now they're mocking me and they, they beat me and they put a crown of thorns on my head. And now I'm sitting here dying and it really stinks. Now, it wasn't a party there. It wasn't something that most of us would ever want to do. My wife and I were just talking and she's like, hey, did you know that Peter was crucified upside down? <laughs> I was like, cool. What a way to be crucified. That was really stink, right? Why? Because the, the story was that when he was going, um, he was getting out of town. He was scooting out of town. And as he was scooting out of town, he sees Jesus walking back in. And he's like, hey, where, Jesus, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm going to be crucified anew. And so Peter turned around and went back and said, said I'll be crucified, but not like you because I'm not worthy of it to be crucified like you. And so they crucified him upside down, right? A man that went from running and denying Jesus, turning around and saying, you know what? I'll die for him. There's power in Jesus. There's power in the resurrection. There's power in what he done. I love this because he says, but I am a worm. Good. We have three hours left. Good. <laughs> but I am a man and not, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by people. All that see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Anybody ever hear this story before? Or is it just, Okay, good. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You even made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I, I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouth wide against me. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. You see a picture of the cross? My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Wait a minute, this is Psalms. This isn't Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Sound familiar? But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lion. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brethren in the congregation. I will praise you. You fear the Lord. Pray you who fear the Lord. Praise him. All your descendants of Jacob honor him. Revere him. All you descendants of Israel. I'm going to go for the sake of time. Then I'm going to switch over to Isaiah again. So now think about this. This this to me, is, is a snapshot of the cross. Can you imagine what Jesus was going through? And what really hits me was like, you'll hear, hear the, oh man, it's so, it's so tough. I'm going through this. This is so hard. But yeah, I will praise the Lord. Yet the Lord is enthroned forever in the midst of it. You ever go through that time in your life? I'm saying sometimes you're not okay, but it is okay. He was not okay. It was not easy. It was not something that, that, that was fun to go through. But he chose to do that for us. So that when we're not okay, like it's okay. Like, man, I really messed up. I really made a mistake. I really did this. I really did that. And he's like, well, you're in trouble now. I don't want nothing to do with you. No, he's like, no, I get it. I paid for that. Literally, he paid for that. You're like, well, how did he do that? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to read about it again. Isaiah 53. Anybody ever hear Isaiah 53? Whom has the Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, our suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And then this is my favorite part. And then Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says this Surely. He took up our infirmities and carried away our sorrows. I love that when it says surely. Like surely he did it, man. He took up our infirmities and carried away our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Think about that. As I was sitting there just picturing the cross and picturing what it was like and just feeling the love, we're looking at it thinking, oh man, it's such a bad deal. And I think God sat in there thinking, Jesus sat in there, I was born for this. I can see James. I can see, see, see how messed up he can be. I can see Will, and he's a lot better than James, but still has his moments. And then Moses is really good all the time, but, you know, <laughs> but still need to die for him, right? But he's kind of, I see, I see them. 
And I know they need me. I know there's going to be time for they're going through stuff and that they, they can't make it without me. Like, I want to be there. And this is what's going to pay the final bill. Like, we're all going to eat afterwards. Like, obviously. <laughs> when we get down, we're going to go out to eat. If we go out to eat, you know what we're going to do? They're going to come up with a bill. Who's going to pay this? Guess what? Someone's going to pay. Someone's going to pay that bill. But Jesus was handed it was a bill for everybody's sin. And he paid it in full. Amen. And that's pretty powerful when you think about, right? But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought, the punishment that brought that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Punishment that brought us peace. Now, in our language, we're just sitting here like, oh, no more war, man. I have to worry about China or Russia or like all good, right? Not that kind of peace. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It's a completeness. It's a nothing missing, nothing broken. And that's what was so powerful about the cross is it brought us back. See, there was one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By eating from that, guess what happened? Adam and Eve were, were put out of the garden. But by one tree on a cross, the Son of God died and gave his life and brought us into full restoration with God once and for all because of his sacrifice. Think about that. Story about trees. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away, and who can speak? of his descendants for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth Pastor, why are you going from the old testament i'll tell you i sat in a denny's one time a guy asked me he thought like um like um wait i don't believe in the New Testament, if you can convince me that Jesus is real through the Old Testament, I'll believe in it. That's easy. And I did. I told him about it. He still didn't believe, but the guy sitting behind me heard me. He's like, can I join you guys? He's like, I had doubts too, but you know something? I see it now, and I see Jesus, and I accept him into my life. And he gave his heart to Jesus real important for us to know that it wasn't by happenstance that it just didn't happen in the new testament but it was set up because of the whole um the old testament too right now listen 
Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Who do you think that this is talking about? Who? You don't think this was David or Moses or? It's Jesus. Now, can I go to Matthew? I got two minutes. Hot time, Pastor James. It says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 57, as evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus, going to Pilate. He asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite of the tomb. Can you imagine this thing? Like here, this is Joseph's tomb. It's like, hey, you know something? I'm gonna give it to Jesus. That was my own tomb. But I'm going to give it to Jesus. You know what I love about that? Is we all have our tombs too. We have that stuff that's dead in our lives. That stuff that, that we need life, resurrection back into us. And we're trying to do it through our own works or through our own ways. And, and God's saying, hey, just give it to me. Why, why don't you let me in there and I'll breathe life into you and breathe life into it. And so... It's setting some up. So here are Mary Magdalene, and then they're just sitting at the tomb. And then it says the next day, they had to wait one day because of Passover. It says one day after preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So they gave the order for the tomb to be sealed. So they had guards at the tomb. Now I'm going to skip down to 28 verse 1. And it says this, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and become like dead men. Can you imagine this scene? So they set guards on on around the tomb because they're like hey we don't want anyone to say you know that they stole him and so the bible literally saying matthew's literally saying you know what one angel rolled the tomb away and these dudes saw him like hey what you doing he's like i'm moving it he just moved it it took a bunch of them to do that like there's a lot of dudes there it wasn't just a few dudes moves it away and then he said on oh, their way. You know why? Because he's risen. Amen. He's risen. 
That's why we're celebrating Resurrection Day. That's why we're celebrating Easter. For those who celebrate Resurrection Day, yay. If you celebrate Easter, yay. We're celebrating Jesus one way or another, right? Now listen. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and become like dead. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, for he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to the, to tell, the tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Imagine. They just watched him on the cross die. They seen him buried. It was the third day, like he said, he raises again, and they're panicking because the tomb's empty, and they're on their way down, and Jesus like, hey, dude. Like nothing had happened. Like I think that kind of freaked me out, right? Can you set this scene up right too? Because when he rose again, he just didn't rise again, but all the dead rose again too. So they're seeing Uncle Uncle Harry and Aunt, Aunt Joni and all these people walking around that they ain't even seen. And then they go, listen, there is power in the resurrection. It wasn't a common feat. We are crucified with Christ. Therefore, we no longer live, but it's Christ that lives within us. That's powerful. So he's saying, Jesus said greetings, and they came to work and clasped his feet and worshiped him. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they will see me. And then you see where the chief priests are kind of upset about it. So they're telling people to say, well, he, his disciples stole him. And then we get the great commission and it says this, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, we know who doubted him, right? His name was Tom. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of the United States and Europe. Israel. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely, listen to this, when the angel appeared, he said, and his name will be Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? God with us. He says, surely I am with you. Always and to the very end of the age. Now think about this. The king of kings born as a sacrifice to die for us. He dies for us and he raises again. He carries our sins and carries our sicknesses and carries our diseases and takes them to the grave. And as he takes them to the grave, guess what happens? 
they die there. Then he raises again, so that what? We rise again with him too. And he says, you know what? I'm going away, but I'm with you. I think our biggest mistake as believers is we're always looking for a God that's far off coming back. I can't wait to see you again, Jesus. I can't wait till you come back. I can't wait till you're here. I am here. I'm in you. And I'm in you. And I'm in you. And I'm in you. And you're seeing those things that you know you're not okay. And you're thinking, well, it's not okay. And I'm not, if I'm not okay, then I'm not okay with God. And it's not okay with me. And God's saying, I'm okay. You know why I'm okay? I paid for it. Everything you're ever going to face, everything that's ever going to come against you, everything that 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 just just is is man. Sometimes things just is. Jesus paid away. It's like you know what? I didn't just die for you, but I rose again that I can live in you. I don't want to spend the rest of my life waiting for a God that's far off to come back when I have a Jesus that's living in me that wants to love on people. Anyway, I got with my first clothes. I know I want to eat. I got my, my truck got hit. And so um, I went and tell, we were going to test drive some cars. And Linda's like, you got to test drive three cars, right? So I went and test drove one car. I could talk to the guy and it was really cool. And then I'm test driving another car and I'm talking to the guy. And he he rides motorcycles, man. His name's Jamming. He's I was like, that's a cool name, man. And competed in Taekwondo and just a cool guy. And um just sitting there talking. He's and he just starts pouring his heart out. He's like, Yeah, he's like, I had to leave the motorcycle circuit. And he's like, I miss being on the road. I was like, Oh, dude, I get you, man. It's so hard. And he's like, I just had this little boy and I like I feel so overwhelmed I don't know what to do and I was like you know something you're all right man God's got you you're gonna be all right <laughs> I was walking away I had an appointment to go to because um, I was going to do a pre-counseling for someone who's getting married and he's like I got to get going because I got to go to this meeting and, and so so he's like what are you doing I was like well I'm a pastor and he's like man I'm a preacher's kid he said but I've been running from God and I was like ah oh. Like, you know something, bud? God's got you. He still loves you. And he's going to work it out. And so now he's texting me several times. Uh, and you think something bad, like getting hit in your truck, be really bad. God turns it to a blessing. Not only does he turn it to a blessing, but when you're going to drive other cars, you know what? You're getting a minister to three other dudes, man. And God puts you in the right place at the right time. Why? Because he's with us. God is with us. He's in us. And he's wanting to come alive in each and every one of us. We're him if we'll allow him to resurrect inside of us and live through us. Then we'll find real resurrection. Amen? Amen. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us so much. And we only boast that in your grace, and your finished work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.
www.silverlakebaptist.org.